Another early lead is another reason why it's time. It's time for this era of Auburn football to end. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackermean. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Another morning after show. That means we are joined by Daryl Daprich, Montgomery Radio Vet. And not super excited to wrap this one up, but uh, Auburn, despite leading at one point 17 to nothing, falls 21 to 17 against the LSU Tigers. And Daryl, an LSU team that isn't as good as Auburn. I, I, I believe that. I do think they gifted us some things in regards to like plenty of drop passes, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into more of the game in a moment. But Daryl, is there any argument other than $15 million to keep Brian Harson any longer as the head coach for the Auburn football program? Absolutely not. And I think it, the sooner it gets done, the better. Look, this this game completely changed at after halftime. And in the first half, there was a script being written that sure. was like, what in the world is going on? That, you know, what are these adjustments? What are these other people that are getting involved? Where has this been all year? And then at the end of the day, uh, you've got to be able to close and, and the game will, will play out and tell you exactly who you are. And Auburn, in my opinion, gifted that game to LSU. Sure. Okay, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to sound like a you know a fan guy or whatever. There was a lot of things. They lost four turnovers to one, uh, some inopportune penalties, some missed opportunities with execution, kicks, and that kind of thing. So Auburn could have went into halftime twenty to seven. Um, but when you when you continually over the last year and a half cannot make second half adjustments. And when other teams take away what you do well and you can't counter-react to that, it's time. I mean, what is going to happen to make that any better? And why wait? There's no reason to wait. Those kids deserve better, in my opinion. They played really, really hard. The defense, hats off. Mm -hmm. But they were not put in a position to succeed in the second half with some really head-scratching decisions. In a game where Robbie Ashford threw for 330-plus yards – ran the ball just fine, made pretty good decisions for the most part, you should not you should not lose that game. And you mentioned the four turnovers. The one I'm most okay with is the one that, you know, just got taken away from Coy Moore. I mean, I think the LSU defenders made a great play, but all the other ones, like a muffed punt, in execution on special teams to me is all coaching. Because, like, I mean, that is just like the most specific part of the game where like you have to teach constantly every single situation possible. And there's almost an unlimited amount of them. And it just seems like Auburn is lacked there. And, you know, I think Keontae Scott's a good player and I think he's only going to get better. And that's a super unfortunate situation for him. But like the kicking game, you know, just being unwilling to use Anders, then like, okay, if you're, if you're not confident in Anders, like is Evan McPherson ready to go? Like, why is the move just to not use the kicker late in the game when points were going to be hard to come by in the second half? You only needed a few. 
You know, if you, if, if you make your kicks or if you get into field goal situation and actually use your kicker consistently, it, there's just so many parts of this, Daryl, where I'm just like, why are these kids being put in this situation? And like Coy Moore, the, the interception thrown by Coy Moore, like I get being cutesy on the play call and all that, but like I don't think that was a part of the field where you needed to be cutesy. Like you had a good chance of getting points. And also like, why are you putting Coy in that situation where he has to make that decision either to throw it away or to go down or to make the throw? Like it's just odd. It was just odd to me. And none of it really seems to make sense. No, I think that, uh, you know, uh, the job of a head coach after roster management, which mm-hmm. we've seen him be very, very poor at as far as creating a roster, you do that in a couple different ways. You do that with recruiting, and in this day and age, you do it with transfer portal additions. And I think that has been something he has been very, very lax on as far as it, it's well documented. His recruiting has been sub, subpar. His transfer portal additions have been, you know, some have contributed, but in areas of biggest concern and biggest need, they haven't been addressed. So your first job as a head coach is roster management and then putting that roster in positions to succeed, knowing their weaknesses and their strengths and that kind of thing. When you continually give away points and leave points on the field with going forward on fourth and 10 at at the 50 yard line, instead of punting somebody deep with the way your defense is playing, or you try that cutesy little, you know, wide receiver pass from Coymore. How big would a field goal have been with Auburn driving yeah. down 21-20 instead of 21-17? Mm-hmm. Huge, you know. And again, there were some things that happened that were outside coach's realm and control. But I think the backside strip that the defensive lineman for LSU that's going to be playing in the league made a great play on Robbie. That That's not something you really can blame Robbie Ashford yeah, for. I mean, those you kind know, of plays him out. Yeah, the other the other turnovers though, you're like you're scratching your head going, and he got bailed out with the holding call mm-hmm. on the second fourth down that he went for at the same spot on the field. And then a timeout was burned the first time Auburn went for it, and you know, to decide whether to kick the field goal or to go for it on fourth down. And that timeout looked like it was going to loom large late when Auburn had to stop LSU running the ball. Right. Those are all suspect coaching decisions. They're coaching decisions that you may get away with in the Mountain West, but you ain't going to get away with it in the SEC. And that's what's, that is what's coming to fruition right now. And that's why I think um, the writing's on the wall. It's in the tea leaves. Why do you wait? Why do you wait? What are you hoping for to gain? The money doesn't go down week to week. The money doesn't go down until December. It becomes it's 18 million now. It's 15 million in December. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's this week or if it's next week or the bye week. What does it matter? Let's go ahead and end the narrative. Get the dark cloud over. Those kids played really, really hard. I was shocked at the atmosphere, environment, enthusiasm, overall tenor, and just feel for that game in the first half. I had to keep take, doing a double take thinking about what me and you were going to talk about tonight because I thought it was going to go completely different than I did originally. And then it settled into the second half and it became the crap show that we kind of expected. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been bad. And just looking at some of the stuff like Auburn allowed, what was it? It was like 3.2, is it 3.2 yards per play? And it's like the lowest in an SEC game since Auburn won against Tennessee in 08. And then, you know, LSU's quarterback numbers are atrocious. 
They threw 10 of 26 for 85 yards, Daryl. 85 <laughs> yards. And your quarterback threw for over 300 and you lost. So it's just like at what point, if you can't win with that, you're at home, by the way. If you can't win with that, like what's the point? Like what are we doing here? Yeah, if you tell me that you held LSU under 300 yards and you had over 400 yards of offense, there's no way I think Auburn loses that game, except you go back to turnovers. And turnovers will get you beat every single time. But I think turnovers are a symptom of a bigger problem. And turnovers are a result of being coached. I know, I, I get it. Coaches don't go out there and fumble the ball, don't throw interceptions. But at some point, you got to be held accountable if you're coaching a football team that's minus 10 mm -hmm. on the turnover ledger. That falls on you. You're the head coach. Sorry. You know, do something different. What are you what are you scheming? What are you play calling? What is your personnel packages that are forcing those kind of things? And so I, I can't imagine Robbie Ashford playing a better game mm -hmm. the rest of the year than he did tonight, and you get beat. Right. I, I mean, that that's that's concerning. So you know, I like some of them, you know, they, they went tempo coming right out of the gate. They started, they went fast. I saw one thing that Robbie Ashford did so well was when he got out of the pocket, he just didn't settle for, for running. He kept his eyes downfield and found guys downfield for big plays. Yeah. And a lot of that was due to the fact that LSU's linebackers were told all week, don't let him beat you with his legs. So they sucked up when he started to, to break down and run. They came up and it, it, it had big plays over the top yeah. again. But that's still not enough because of the the really curious decisions and some of the positions he put the players in in the second half. Right. You can't close. He cannot close. Look, I hate to say it. It's a results-oriented business. Look at the numbers mm -hmm. with what Auburn's done in the second half since the Mississippi State game. The points they've scored. I've got, I've got it here. I've got it here. Yeah. Nathan Go King's ahead. tweet. Um, he's just updating the tweet every week at this point of 247. Uh, Auburn's eight. Uh, last eight second halves against Power 5 teams. Zero points, zero points, six points, three points, three points, six points, zero points, three points. I mean, that... that what are that we doing here? You beat. What yeah, are we doing I mean, here? What do you... Just think if... Let's be conservative and say half of those games, if Auburn doubled those point totals. That's a conservative uh, estimate. Half of those games, not all, just half... Auburn doubled those point totals in the second half. They probably would have won two more games last year, and they would have won two more games already this year. And they'd be sitting at or one more game at least this year. They'd be sitting at four and one. Yeah, so, and obviously you know, some of those are zero. So like you know, doubling that doesn't. But like if you just right. added a scoring drive, yes, each of them, right? You beat, just added something to zero. You beat Mississippi State. You beat South Carolina. South Carolina. You beat Houston. Alabama. Houston you in the bowl Houston. game. Yeah, I mean. It's, Penn it's State crazy. was the only game where it was like, okay, you know, that, that nothing that would happen in the second half. Which that was, was one of the talking points over the summer, right? It was the whole like, well, they never got blown out. They were always competitive. It's like, yeah, if we can take that next step, it'll be there. And it just, yeah. that next step has never, never happened. Well, that's, that's why I think people were willing to give Brian Harson a chance this year. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. There was a lot of the Auburn fan base and a lot of people that are talking about it's time now to move on, including myself. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have amnesia. I'm going to be transparent and be honest. Sure. I was excited about the hire. I was too. I stuck with him for a long time, even through last year when some of that happened down the stretch and it fell apart. Yep. 
I really felt like he was going to get the ship corrected this year, even with the poor recruiting offseason. I just I just felt like when Calzada came in, I, I really had a different version or, or, of what how this season was going to play out. Yeah. And so I stuck with it and felt and did have hope. And um, the Penn State game is when when that game was over is when I knew that that ship had sailed and mm-hmm. it was it was time to to just kind of move on and 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 go ahead and and punt and yep. kind of the quicker you do it, the quicker you send the message that you're not settling and that you want what's best for the program. That's what I think. I think you have to send that message to those players. Yeah. You have to send that message to the recruits that were there. I saw some things on the discord where people were saying, Hey, who would want to come here after that second half? See, I, I take the opposite stand on that. I see the atmosphere, the excitement, the fans staying in it through the whole game the way Auburn came out in the first half. And if I'm a kid that's a recruit, I say, hey, with the right coach, this place can be even more electric and can be even yeah. more special. Yeah, if you make the right hire, it's not going to it's not gonna matter. And, Daryl, no. you, you know who makes making the right hire easier? Oh, this is a great transition. I bet I, bet I know. Uh, our friends at LinkedIn. Yes. I mean, if you're listening do. to this show and you're frustrated this morning, you realize how important every hire could be for your business, for your football team, whatever it may be, every hire is so crucial these days. And you may be going into a new era where you have to replace someone, and that hire could be even more important moving forward. So head over to linkedinjobs.com slash college to post your job for free. That is linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Daryl Dapridge, our guest, <coughs> excuse me. So, Daryl, the, the first half where we saw this offense really do everything that we, I'm saying the collective we, this show, other shows, Auburn fans on social media, maybe players' dads who have said things, everybody ha- has said, you know, quicker passes, get the ball out to help the offensive line and the quarterback more get Javarius Johnson and Coy Moore involved in the passing game early. It's like, man, we saw all of that. We saw all of it, and it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, you're consistently moving the chains. You had burst plays. I think Auburn had six plays of over 20 yards. It's like, yes, all right, we're getting here. We're getting there. And then you you couldn't keep it going for 60 minutes, and it's, um, it's a shame. But it almost is it almost is more telling to me that you realize like okay let's do let's do this and I'm not saying he's doing like okay let's do this because everybody's telling us to I'm not saying he had that approach but the fact that you went into this game realizing like okay this is what we need to focus on but you couldn't you couldn't either open up the playbook enough or install enough for it to last for a full game and to me that's yeah. concerning once again it's like. What are we doing here? Well, I'm going to tell you, you nailed it. This is this is it in a microcosm. So the things that they did early on that we have all been calling for for, for months, the slants, the, the, the throwing the ball to Cam Brown, hallelujah, in the back of the end zone, the little trick play that Robbie Ashford got the ball back and threw it to Amari Kelly, and he would have scored if not for the tip, made a great play. All those plays were great. But guess what I saw in the second half? I saw LSU adjust to those plays. I saw them not bite on the on the receiver throw with Cormore, Coy Moore. I saw them double Cam Brown. 
I saw them take away the slant. And when all that happened, they didn't have an answer. So, yeah, great things in the first half that LSU wasn't prepared for, that we have been screaming for and clamoring for, for for this season. Auburn did. But then once they did it once and it got taken away, Mm -hmm. they did not have an answer to do something else. We saw some effective running plays at on fourth and one or third and one. Auburn didn't get stopped. They got the first down every time and they ran tank or Robbie kept it. They did what they had to do. They threw the ball to the tight end. They, they threw some seam routes that were really, really nice. I saw some of those. So, mm-hmm. But then when LSU started, what they dropped that linebacker and, and uh, Robbie had a wide open shanker for 20 yards down the field and that guy tips it, Baskerville knocks it down. Right. An, an example of shanker had the, had the reception four plays earlier, earlier, LSU adjusts. Auburn can't execute. That's on coaching. That is that's coaching, and that's why I think when you look at the film, second half when you can't close and you can't adjust, you lose. It's that's the bottom line. That's I'd it. rather be a team that falls behind ten nothing in the first half and has a great second half as a fourth quarter team. That's a mark of a good team and good coaching. Yeah, you, some of the you teams use that the data with, that you collect yeah. over the course of the game and say, exactly. hey, let, let's get our guys in, into a chance yep. to win. I hate it. I hate it for all the kids involved. And I think from a personnel standpoint, they're, they're getting guys in on the field that need to be there. Like Brandon Council at center. I think it worked out. Got some push. Didn't he? I really, I liked it. I liked the push he got. Yeah. Probably Alec Jackson. He was in there. He he looked good. I mean, is the offensive line great? No, but it did seem better. They were better. They were better. But, But why wasn't that offensive line? The offensive line Auburn was playing with the whole year. So that's another indictment on not having the proper personnel out there. If if Robbie Ashford's playing quarterback and Brandon Council's playing center and Coy Moore is your starting receiver because of necessity, because of injuries, then that's not good coaching. You're not making the right decisions to begin with. You had you lucked up into getting guys on the field that's supposed to be on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And can you imagine this offense though without Jarquez Hunter? Hmm. And it's like he only he somehow only touched the ball eight times, but it's like man, every time that dude is involved in a play, something good happens. I mean, you could almost make the argument there are times, especially last night against LSU, where the offense looks better with him on the field than Tank. I'm not saying I saw that. Yeah, I felt I, that way too. Flow wise, push. I don't think he's and better than Tank, but as far no. as fit and flow and chemistry yeah. and all of that, as far as what Auburn's trying to do offensively, um, he he needs more snaps. I think right now. I agree. You know, there's a kid that you know credit where credits due. Three star out of Mississippi, late signee. Right. Uh, didn't have a lot of big offers, so that that was a good you know, talent evaluation and and he's getting utilized, but I think he needs to touch the ball more because here's a guy that really does a good job too, Zach, getting the ball out of the backfield on swing passes, catching the ball. He's, he's a, he's a very effective receiver and then he's good with the ball after he catches it in space. Yep. So I'd like to see him. I would have liked to seen a fresh Damari Austin and his legs, fresh legs a little bit tonight, maybe get three or four carries too. Did Damari play? He didn't register didn't a stat. Him. I don't know if he like yeah, went in for a pass blocking situation or not. But yeah, I didn't see him. Yeah, yeah. Later today, the PFF numbers will get up, and I'll write about that at auburndaily.com. But I don't know. Just the overall flow of everything 
something good would happen. You you'd get the momentum and then just either Auburn would get its own way or there'd be a weird play call or you'd muff a punt. Like it, it just, it was tough. Really, really tough game to watch. Really, really, really tough. And, and in a, it was so close in like a, a week where a lot of, I don't I, I think if Auburn would have won this, obviously with the spin would have been, all right, cool, Auburn beat LSU. That's fantastic. But in a league where like, okay, I don't think Arkansas is that good. Okay, I don't think Texas, Texas A&M is that good. I, I no. leave that game saying Auburn could beat Arkansas and Texas A&M at home this year. And that still could happen. We'll see what the offense does after they move yeah. on from Harson if they do do that. Um, but they're totally beatable at home, both of those teams. But we yeah, can't I mean, talk you, about that right now because like, they, there's just such a buzzkill on everything going on because of this. Well, if Auburn holds on and wins that game tonight or last night like they should have, um, if I would have told you that LSU, Arkansas, and Texas A&M all were at two losses and Auburn was at one, I would have had to go to the shrink. No one would have believed me. Mm-hmm. And that's what—that's how close last night Auburn was to getting that done. It, it, it goes to your point about the SEC West being a little bit down this year, being a lot more mediocre than they have. Now, I get it. Ole Miss beat Kentucky last night and Alabama you know, hung, pulled away from Arkansas. So you still got three teams, you know, you still got two teams at the top of the West that, that that are undefeated, but there's a lot more jumbled up after that. And Auburn is in a situation with, with some better coaching or better decision making, could be right there, right there, you know, behind Alabama knocking on the door in the West, with personnel wise and with some things that could have happened differently this year. Yeah. So we record this um before Harson talks to the media because that gap between the end of the game and the start of his presser seems to be getting longer and longer, which is fine. We want to talk more about the game than, and the impact than exactly what he has to say anyway. But while they wait, a lot of the media members tweet out stats. And I want to read this one to you. This one's from Justin Ferguson. I'm going to phrase it in, into a question for you, Daryl. Okay. This is Ferg's tweet. Auburn has played 10 SEC games under Brian Harson. It has scored more than seven points in the second half in how many of those games do you think? I'm going to say two. Just two. Yep. Arkansas and LSU last year. You nailed it. That's it. That's yep. it, which is the best two games. Because the best game, the best win was Ole Miss, but like, yeah, the, the second half. They kind of went into too. a shell in the second half. Yeah, they hung on. And if not for some curious fourth down yeah. attempts by Lane Kiffin. Right. That game could have been different too last year. So right. LSU and Arkansas were the only games where they got separation in the second half or had a, had a big second half to take control of the game. Yep. All right. We share more of our thoughts on this loss in just a moment right here on locked on Auburn. Want to encourage you to join the locked on Auburn discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below or in the um, show summary, depending on you know what they call it or whatever podcast app you're listening to, but check it out. Click there. It was a crazy place to be last night. Very, very fun place to be. It's all free. Just check that out and join it today. Daryl, as far as individuals, let's talk about some guys that impressed us and then some guys we want more from moving forward. Sure. So sure. Um, overall, was impressed with Robbie. His touch in some of the shorter passes were a little reckless, I think. But all in all, I was really impressed with him. I think the biggest, if you want to bug on this, if you want to be bugging, um, 
looking at Robbie and saying like, man, you can see a future with this kid. I think that's yeah. exciting. Um, he he kind of won me over more. Not that I was anti Robbie by any stretch, but he kind of won me over in the sense of like, this kid could do it. Like I think if he had a real offense around him, um, and protection up front and play calling, I think he's got the weapons. Um, as far as pass catchers, I think this kid could really be something. So he was a big winner. For me, and then I'll give you one on defense. Um, I, I think DJ James is, is spectacular. I think he is absolutely incredible. Um, he, he could be next Auburn's next high draft pick at corner. Yeah, I agree. I, mine would be Hunter. We talked about him. I thought he really sure. stood out to me and, and really gave Auburn a lot of juice and a shot in the arm when he got in the game. You could just tell there's a little bit different yeah. Uh, level of intensity. And then on the defensive side, I thought Bragg played really good tonight, especially coming in for, for Leota after mm. he got hurt on that sack attempt. I think Bragg had a uh, a sack uh, or two, but he did a great job holding the edge. So I, I was really impressed with him as well. Secondary didn't play too bad. I mean, they had a couple of – The defense uh, was know, fine. The defense played well. A couple ticky-tack, you know, pass interference calls – Donovan Kaufman makes the big play on the fumble that I thought was going to be the signature play of the game. I started getting hope again. I thought, oh, here we go. Auburn's going to go down and score. After that, the fumble and the recovery was made. So, you know, I I saw a lot of things that gave me hope, which makes what happened tonight sting even a little bit more. It makes it even more frustrating. Mm -hmm. You know, 2012, to me, I never saw any of that. I never felt – there was a lot of football games I didn't feel like Auburn was in at all. And, you know, that game tonight, Auburn could have and should have won that game last night. Yeah. And, um, Th- this isn't that, a three, that's what's frustrating. This isn't a three and nine team, Daryl. No. I, I no. don't know. Th- they'll be, they'll, they'll upset someone this year, I think, whether it's um, an Ole Miss or Mississippi State on the road or, or an Arkansas or an AM at home. I, I, I think they're going to win more games. I so. think the defense will keep them in a lot of games. And if they go ahead and make the move and get somebody else calling plays that maybe was on that staff that probably silently was thinking, why are we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Maybe. And they get the opportunity to do that. You could end up, like you said, with a couple of upsets. Uh, Western Kentucky left on the schedule. But, you know, they lose last night to Troy. So that's that's a winnable game. Yeah. the def- again, defense will travel, and their defense has played really, really well the last couple games and has kept them in ball games. Missouri and LSU, look at the numbers and the yards they've given up. So get some things tweaked on offense, and uh, maybe that offensive line with this new this new unit gels a little bit that over the next couple of weeks, you never know. Let's spend just a second talking about guys that we want to see more from. I'll start with mm-hmm. defense on this. Owen Papo, I just don't notice mm-hmm. him. Amen. He's that the was only, mine too. He's the only yeah. five star on this roster. Like, what do we do? Wesley Steiner was everywhere, good and bad. I mean, for the most part, he was good. That that touchdown run was just an incredible run. And so, like, um, I mean, you're, you're not going to make all of your tackles as a linebacker, especially with as inexperienced as he is. But like, man, uh, Wesley Steiner, um, I thought he he was really solid for the most part. Obviously, wasn't perfect, but Owen, I just, where are you, buddy? I I, I hate it for him. Well, Cam Cam Riley in the first game had like 16 or 17 tackles. Wesley Steiner tonight had 16 or 17 tackles. Why do you think they're getting so many tackles? Because of Owen Papo. <laughs> I mean, that's why. They're, they are absolutely having to make up for and, and cover certain t- – I mean, there's no reason why 
Papo should not have more tackles than he does and that the guys playing next to him are in 15, 16 tackle territory. That's telling me something's wrong. It's not scheme. It's not that LSU and, and Mercer are running away from Papo and running it. I mean, I, I just he, – he whiffs too much. He, he's the he's the linebacker. They got caught looking in the backfield when Emory went down the sideline on the wheel route and didn't stay with him, and that was a blown coverage, and that was Papo's man. Yeah. So, it, you know, that, that's got to happen. You got to get more from your senior leader, like you said, a five-star. And on the offensive side, I'm a big Coy Moore fan. But that's why you try not to run that mouth too much. Going into a game, you know, you, you you draw attention to yourself. You put the bullseye in your chest. Some things that happen late. Now, again, I get it. He got put in a bad situation throwing the ball, mm-hmm. but throw that away. And then I'd like – I mean, that was a great play by the LSU defender on that strip of him. But I, I, I wanted to see, you know, a couple more big plays from him down the field. And Shed how, how Jackson's going to disappear, too. He has. He ha- there, there are times where he's not even on the field. And it's like, Amari yeah. Kelly's playing over you? Good for Amari. Yeah. And he had a good snag there. But it's like, yeah, that's that's been a little a little surprising. Um, yeah, and Coy had, I don't, know, I don't know what they count that pick. I don't know if that's technically a drop. Um, but I know he had another one, too. And it's like, dang, that's, um, that's a shame. Um, I'll, I'll say Austin Troxel, his last two games have not been good. And it's funny. The first few, it was like, okay, the tackles are solid. And then the interior didn't get a push. It almost seemed backwards this time. I think Zaire was fine. I may be saying his name wrong, by the way. They say his name, they said his name differently in the broadcast. I don't know. I got to figure that out. But yeah, I wanted to see more out of Troxel and, he seems to have like gotten worse. It may have just been the competition being getting better, but I wanted to see more out of him. So that's personnel, real quick, which you've talked about um, the the willingness, the unwillingness to change things when they're not working. Uh, not giving McPherson McPherson a chance to kick field goals if you don't have confidence in your field goal kicker. If if Troxel's becoming a turnstile over there at right tackle, why not try coffee? What what is what is it going to kill you at this point? You're not getting the production you need anyway, so why would it change to hurt and try something different? Coffee could wake the offense up. Oh, that's good. That's good. Why you take a sip? That's clutch. How, I'm sure you can find a coffee cup behind my shoulder, too, in this china cabinet if you want to want a parfait glass. Just yeah, you got, you got a lot of stuff going on back there. Yeah, I do. I do. What so. did you think of uh, – we're about out of time, Daryl. What did you think of um, – all right, so first we had Jarrett Stidham is from Texas. Mm-hmm. And then we had Bo Nix, his dad played at Auburn. Right. Then we had TJ Finley's tall. Mm-hmm. Now we have, okay, yesterday was Robbie Ashford's birthday. Yes, 20 they, years old. and They, they said that like six times. <laughs> yeah, showed, showed his family in the stands, talked about you know him playing at Hoover and yeah. not seeing the field at Oregon. Yeah, they said that a lot. And uh, I will say this, though, I enjoy the – analysis with that crew um, with some of the things last night that they pointed out mm-hmm. from, from, from a standpoint, what LSU's linebackers were doing, why Robbie Ashford was having success throwing the ball downfield. There, there were some good things that were pointed out. He's a bammer, uh, but I think McElroy's good. I and do too. Joe I, Tess, I, 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 I begrudgingly awesome. say that, but he, he points out, I like the, the little stories he told about being the quarterback in that end zone. And how brutal it is when the student section and band is right behind you. So yeah. he does a good job of staying, um, you know, pretty pretty unbiased, unlike other Alabama quarterbacks. Sure. 
So there you go. Leave it at that. Daryl, mm-hmm. thank you for your time as always, buddy. Maybe one of these we'll uh, we'll get to do after a win again. It'll be fun when we do, but I enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> I tell you, it's just a lot to break down. It's a tough night, but thanks again for having me. Of course, there is a chance this will be a huge week for Auburn Athletics, which means we will have a huge week here on the show, making sure we are step by step with everything happening, whether it's a coaching search, whether it's AD news, whatever it may come our way this week. We will have you covered here on Locked on Auburn. Read all my written work at auburndaily.com, and we'll see you tomorrow. Lindsey Crosby will join us right here on Locked on Auburn.